0: Welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts here, Dana here with my friend and chavruta, Anne Gordon. Our daf today is Masach B'Sachim, Daf Kuf Tetvav, page one fifteen. We mentioned yesterday that on these dafim, we're sort of seeing the unfolding, or almost in a way, in real time. Uh, and I guess I'll quote you: the sussing out of exactly um, how some of the customs that we do on Seder night actually started to develop. And here we have an interesting discussion about the sandwich of Hillel, right? We know that we have this minhag where we do Korach, where we take the matzah and maror with the charoset and we eat it together. Um, and when we read the Haggadah, we say that, you know, they even did it with the actual Korban Pesach itself. And we do that, you know, lezecher Hillel. Uh, we always say to do it the way that that he ate it. Um, and this passage here in the Gemara and uh, Ahmed Aleph actually tells us sort of how did that actually happen? And what meets vote or what are we actually fulfilling when we do that? Amar Ravina. So Ravina says, Amar Li Rav Natan. So Rav Misharshay, the son of Rav Natan, right, said to me, Hachi Amar Hillel mishmade Right, so Hillel said to me, following like this tradition that he has, La Nichruch Inish Matza Umara B'Hadi Hadadei A person should not wrap Matza and the Maror together and eat them. So when I read this, I was like, whoa, whoa, what are we talking about? Isn't it Hillel who actually says you do have it together? So I said, you know, I, I almost I have had to reread to read this like right many times. I'm like, what is this talking about? And why is that? It's because now in our days, now that we don't have the Beit HaMikdash anymore, Matzah is still a doraisa, right? Regardless of whether or not we have the Beit HaMikdash. It's still mean hatorah that we have to do matzah, umara durabanum, But maror, the eating of the bitter herbs, is actually durabunim because you really only need to do maror if you have the korban pesach. And since we don't have a korban pesach, we're still going to do maror, but it's durabunim. It's not durabunim. But le matza So this sort of makes sense. So he says if you were to eat them together, right? The And you have the, the maror is derabana. It basically sort of it, it nullifies the matza because it's del raisa, right? So Hill is sort of saying, we're not going to mix a del raisa and a derabana together and eat it together. So, okay, so this elaborates it a little more. So in other words, at the time of the Beit HaMikdash, when we had the Korban Pesach, it seems to be that Hill would say you would eat it together. But in our day, without the Korban Pesach, we're not going to eat it together. Even according to the one who says, mitzvot aimavatlot zo adza. But even the person who holds a principle that no, we don't say this thing that mitzvahs can nullify each other, right? The idea being that, you know, honey mele do right of raita, oh dura banan de rabanan, right? That, you know, a de right to food can only be with a do right to food. I know Durabanim food can only be with the Durabanim food, about durabanan, Ate Durabanim, But in the case here, right, we're going to make an exception. Even though this person sort of says that normally mitzvot are not Mavatale each other, but in this specific case where one is a Durabanim and one is a durabanan, we're going to say that in this case, the durabanan is the Leorita. So the Gemara is sort of trying to cover all its bases it's going to, you know, it's trying to say that even if you hold this principle of a Mevatel, this is going to be a case where we are going to say Mevatel. Gamar goes on and says, Man tana le mitzvot ein So then I want to say, okay, who's the Tana who says that Mitzvot are not Mevatel each other? And now it comes sort of first circle. Hillel he, hi, It's Hillel who says this. The Tanya, now they're going to quote a ochlin. Because Hillel actually used to do this. He would make this sandwich, right? He would wrap the matzah and the, and the mower together, and he would eat it, chenemar because, and he quotes, right, we quote always this pasuk from babmidvar, Periket pasuk edalab, al matzot umorim Yochluhu. right? That you have to eat the korban Pesach with the matzah and the mower together. So it sort of is taking it back a step. According to Hillel, he never believes that mitzvot amevatot zolazo And if you do hold the principle of mitzvot being mitzvot zolazo even at even at the time of the Korban Pesach, it would be difficult to say that you could eat the matzah and maror together. But Hillel does not hold by that principle, and based on this pasuk in Midbar itself, Hillel very much holds that we do have to eat the matzah and maror together with the Korban Pesach. But today we shouldn't do that because we don't have the Korban Pesach, and now it's mixing a d'oraysa and a Rabbanin together. I'm a Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan says, Chokina love chaverav al Hillel." So he says Hillel's colleagues, basically, right? His friends disagree with him. And now they're going to quote a different price. Right. So we might have thought that you could wrap the matzah and the Mara together and eat it at one time. The way that Hillel did. Right? But actually, what? This in itself shows that what, by the way the pasuk is written, right, that you should eat matzah and maror, maybe the real way to read it is, is that no, you eat matzah and you eat maror. Not that it's eaten together, but because the two of them are sort of uh, specified specifically separately in the pasuk itself, it actually means the opposite. It means you shouldn't eat them together. And that sort of would be what the Cholkina Lav Chavey Rab is saying about hello. Afilu zebi the vezebi They have to be eaten separately. Matzip levravashi. Ravashi totally objects to the i So he says, if really if the chachamim disagreed with Hillel, right, and they actually do maintain this idea of mitzvot mivat lozol that the mitzvot do sort of nullify each other or their tell each other, right? What? Why do you need this word afilo? Why do you need this word afilo here? Look carefully at what the Brysa says, says, where it says, Afilu, even that one by itself and that one by itself. Ella Ravashi. So Ravashi now is going to give a great read. This is where we really, I love when the Amarayan pay very close attention to the actual wording of the Bresa itself. Hai, tana, hachi, katani. Right? This is really what the Tan is teaching. Bihu, bihu vato, amar, al, right? We might have thought that you can only fulfill your mitzvah of eating matzah and marar uh, if you eat it the way that Hillel says to eat it, right? Which is that you eat it together, wrapped up together, right? And that's why the, we, we have the pasuk teaches, but when it says, it's teaching us, but let's say you accidentally didn't do this way. Let's say you ate the matzah separately and you ate the maror separately, you still have fulfilled your obligation. And that's really what the point of this price is. Ideally, you want to do it the way Hillel did it, but this price is coming to teach you. If you didn't do it the way Hillel said to do it and you ate the matzah and the maror separately, you still, you're still you still okay. And then finally, this is the last piece here that I want to read. Hashtah delok hilchata loke hilav So the Gemara says, actually, the halacha is not like Hillel, and it's not like, like not like rabbanan. Mavarech al achilat matzah v'echil. How do we do it? We say achilat matzah, and we eat some matzah. V'hadam ravarech al achilat marah. Then we eat some marah. Sorry, then we make the bracha of al achilat marah, and we eat some marah. So in other words, we do eat it separately at first. V'hadar achilat matzah v'chasa v'haddi hadadi, below bracha zecher lemegdash kehillel. Then we're going to eat matzah and the marah together, right? Without a bracha, zecher l'megzash And this is exactly how we do it. And again, I think this is a great example of where we see the process of how the Gemara actually works it out. And I had actually never seen this passage before. And whenever I, you know, did this at my Seder, and we always talked about, oh, we're eating it the way exactly Hila wanted it. But in fact, the fact that we don't do it with a bracha, it's really Zecher le-migdash, And I think I don't emphasize that word enough um, when I actually read the Haggadah. And I think this year for the first time, I will definitely be emphasizing that word. There's a reason we don't do it with a bracha. There's a reason that we eat the matzah first and then we eat the maror first, each with their own separate bracha. And this is a Zecher le-migdash. It's not a le L'migdash. It's a Zecher le-migdash. It's a Zecher to the way Hillel felt. Matzah, maror, and the Korban Pesach were meant to be eaten together. Not the way that Hillel felt it should be eaten together in our times without the Korban Pesach.
1: Um, I'm gonna follow through from where you're saying in terms of I would say a less than ideal situation, right? That's what you've been describing. The ideal would be Hillel's approach, we'd have a beta McDash for that matter, and we'd have Hillel's sandwich, so to speak. Um, but Then there's the way that we do it, which is somewhat less than ideal, and it still fulfills our obligation, or perhaps even better, given the lack of the temple. So the daf continues, and again, I'm going to jump towards the bottom of um, Amabet, and we have a whole discussion here of matzah, and again, in contrast to marur, of what happens if you don't actually chew and swallow, which is a, an interesting discussion because, again, if you think of matzah as being a hard cracker, to swallow without chewing it is a quite a challenge. If, in fact, it's a softer thing, then maybe it's more likely. Amarava, bala matzah yatzah. If you swallowed your matzah, you fulfilled your obligation. Right? You've, your mitzvah was to eat matzah and you have indeed eaten matzah. Bala maror lo yatzah. But if you swallowed maror, meaning without tasting it, you do not fulfill your obligation. The presumption is of course you need to have some taste of the, of the bitterness of the bitter herbs so that you can have you know a recognition or a remembrance of the bitterness. And again, what if you had them together? This goes directly to your point your dinner, to your whole discussion. Um, and but if you just swallowed them and you did not taste them, then you have fulfilled matzah, the mitzvah of matzah, but you have not fulfilled the mitzvah of maror. Krakhan um, basiv uvlaan afi de matzah nami loyatzah. And if you were to wrap them together in what uh, this sieve—it's a—it's a called a palm net, some kind of net that they would use to wrap the palm trees, um, and it's basically a thin, uh, some vegetation type of thing that you could swallow it together and you're not really even tasting the matzah in any way, or the mara, then you don't fulfill the mitzvah of either one of them, right? You're, you're not even touching. Your mouth doesn't really even touch the matzah because it's kind of surrounded by this net. It's basically, the claim here is, that's not eating your matzah and maror. It's just swallowing, um, which might work for medicine, but not for a mitzvah here. Now, one of the things I saw in preparation that I thought was interesting is that the mi'iri says, that you have to taste the matzah also, at least Rabanan Meaning, you might have fulfilled your dual right to obligation, but from a rabbinic level of fulfillment, uh, the Me'iri wants you to taste the matzah as well as the maror for the phenomenon of fulfilling the mitzvah. gemara continues, Rav Shimi Bar Ashi, Amar Rav Shimi Bar Ashi, matzah lifnei kol lifnei kol lifnei kol each, when you set up your seder, right, you make sure that there's matzah before each and every person, and likewise, everybody's got maror, and everybody's got charoset. Now, this is a discussion we're going to see in a a moment, that this is, um, the presumption is that at this seder, everybody's got a little personal table, and everybody's reclining on a couch. This is not, I think this is, you know, again, quite different from most of our seders, maybe no longer at the time of COVID when Sadara might be much, much smaller than when you get the whole family gathering together. But I think at least I I know many people who have, you know, large gatherings of many family members around, you know, crowded around a table. You don't have room for all those couches. Um, But this is really modeled. And I think you're done, I think you spoke about this some time ago on, you know, what was essentially a Roman banquet kind of thing. Um, Okay, and then the Gemara here says, And you don't, you remove the table only from before the person who's reading the Haggadah and all the other tables that, you know, are next to each of the couches, basically, which is fundamentally what we have nowadays as a Cedar plate, they would be left in the place. Now, what does it mean to remove the table? We're going to see that in one moment. First, Ravhuna Omer, kulu nami lifnei Misha omer ravhuna. Ravhuna says, one second, you could just put all of those things, your matzah and your maror and your charoset, you put them before the leader of the Seder, the person who's reciting the Haggadah, and then at the right time, he will dole it out. Um, and the psach is like ravhuna. And again, I think that ah, I've seen this happen both ways. I've seen, you know, a Seder where everybody has their own, their own tools here, um, their own um equipment to fulfill all these mitzvot and others where the leader of the Seder gives them all out. Um the Gemara asks Lama Okrina to and this is I think one of the key differences between the Seder of date in the days of yore and nowadays why do we remove the table? Amri the children will notice that something is unusual going on and they will ask and again if they have learned about it why will they ask? I will continue to ask this question for a long time. So what it happened one time, the idea is of course that this is gonna provoke the children to say, why is this night different from all other nights? So there's a one time when Abai was sitting before Raba, when he was still a child, not Rava, who is his barplukta, but Raba, who is his teacher. And when Abai saw that they were in fact removing this table, a Loka and he says. Once again, we didn't eat yet. Why are you taking the table away? You know, why Why are you taking it away from us? And Rabbi says, The very fact that Abaye, it's not surprising, I guess, that Abaye would be sharp in this way, right? He grew up to be Abaye. Um, Rabbah says to him, we don't even have to have the Manishtana part of the Seder anymore. You have fulfilled that for us, right? You've asked the questions of what is going on here that makes this such a different night. And now we can just go right into Magid and have that discussion without having the the prompt of the question of Manishtana said, Why is this night different from all other nights?
0: I want to just go back to what you talked about at the beginning with the matzah and the maru and the swallowing and the tasting. And I think it just speaks to kind of an existential question which is what is eating you know what do we actually consider eating is it the chewing of the food is it the tasting of the food and in typical gamara fashion you know no action that we do is actually just one thing they always figure out a way how to layer it this is a great example of it and even show us that for matzah it'll be one thing and for maror it'll be something else
1: an intent here may be enough at least for matzah
0: Right. A 10 seems to be enough. But it makes I, I mean, it makes sense, everything that it says. Right. If you you need to taste the bitter herb and maybe matzah, you don't need to taste. But it just makes you think about the purposes of the mitzvot when you really see sort of the argument around it really being uh, thought out. And I, I think this speaks to a little bit, you know, what's the purpose of all this discussion sometimes? Some of it is really to get to a practical halacha and it is a practical halacha question, you know. What happens if you just swallow the matzah? But like, let's be honest. I think this is actually a boundary pushing question. Who could just swallow matzah? You honestly would choke if you just swallowed matzah. <laughs> it's not even like a soft, mushy food, right? So I don't think this, well, I again, think this is a boundary.
1: What, if it was a laffa, then you have an easier time with that for sure. Right. But still, I, to me, this is
0: actually a boundary question that's really getting at to what's the essence of matzah and what's the essence of mara. And they found the case that really does that for you.
1: I think we would still be able to raise a whole lot of, a whole slew of halachic questions. You know, what happens if you lose your sense of taste? Can you still fulfill your mitzvah of maror? What if you, you know, you know, we can keep going, right? They, they haven't exhausted all of the potential cases here that could provoke a question. They've just started us going. And indeed, right. that's what the halachic discussion is for generations thereafter.
0: Right. And I think that's a great question. We'll leave it at that. But, you know, all of those questions that come up about when you need a particular one of our five senses to fulfill a mitzvah and you don't have that sense. Like, that's a very interesting question. I mean, the most, uh, com- I don't know, common or-, or thing is, you know, if you have to hear the shofar using a hearing aid. Did you actually fulfill the mitzvah? I'm not going to get into the stock about that. And yes, it's basically
1: the most. I think the most prevalent case is the um, can you daven, um, can you lead davening when you're talking about um, distinction between light and darkness if you're blind?
0: Great question. Right. So I think there's a whole series of these where if you are, if you don't experience the world, let's say in the neurotypical way, that most people do right is that the way i guess the way i would say it today in the 21st century language right what does that mean in terms of the vote?
1: but is it is it a temporary lacuna or is it a long is it lifelong these you know this is not the discussion of the daf this is just where the questions of practical application of the the details of the daf it will take us even much further afield
0: well, that's our DAF discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAF and again, some of its discussions around the customs of the Seder on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.